0: <laughs> Where are all the kids? I guess we don't have any kids today. Or we <laughs> Probably that back row we could have come up here, right? Just a bunch of big kids back there. <sighs> We're glad that you're here this morning. We do have a lot of people uh, out sick this week and a lot of stuff going around. I know it's a busy week for all of you and and so this morning uh, let's just pause, take a moment just to pray for them and to, to pray that God would use this time. Father, we do come before you and we lift up those among our church family who are hurting today, who are sick and Father, we ask for healing in their life. Most of all, we ask for your presence to be with them. And uh, Father, we know this is a busy time of year. We can get so caught up in, in so many things, Father, that draw us away from you, and we don't want to do that. So help us just to focus on Jesus, who he is, what he did that for us that very first Christmas. We thank you for that in his name. Amen. I guess it was a guy, uh, I, I don't know who this is exactly, but a guy named Michelle de Montagno, and uh, he said this about 500 years ago, and I think it's still true today. He said, my life has been filled with terrible misfortune, most of which never happened. And I think that's really true, isn't it? We worry about all kinds of things in our life. And, and there have been a lot of studies that, done that, uh, that have been done that prove that what he says is absolutely true. There was a study done a few years ago, and some of you may have heard of this one. And they, they surveyed people and all the things that they worried about. And they found out that of the things that people had worried about, 80% of them never actually came to pass. 80%. And of the 20% that did, they found that, that 80% of the people said, you know, it really wasn't all that bad after all. Either I could really handle this situation and it was okay, or I learned some life lesson out of it, and that was really good. And so we find that, that we just worry so much. We worry a lot. There was uh, the CDC came out with some statistics not too long ago. They said that from from August of last year to February of this year, that forty percent of American adults had some kind of symptoms of uh, of anxiety disorder or depression disorder. So not only do we worry, we we worry a lot. And so this morning as we continue in our our Christmas series and we talk about this great gift exchange, we're going to talk about how how we can give Jesus our worry and how in return for that, He'll give us His peace. We've been going over this series now for the last four weeks and we've been talking about the fact that when Jesus came to earth that very first Christmas, when He became Emmanuel, God with us, that He came to make this, this great gift exchange possible. And so we've been talking about four gift exchanges that we want to make this Christmas. We began by talking about how we can give Jesus our despair and He'll give us His hope. We talked about how that if we'll give Jesus our hurt, that He'll give us His love. We talked last week about how if we give Jesus His grief, that He'll give us His joy. And then as I say this morning, we're going to talk about how I can give Jesus my worry and in return that He'll give me His peace. We're going to be looking at a very familiar passage this morning that's going to show us how that we can do that this Christmas. It's from Matthew chapter 6. So if you want to go ahead and open up your Bibles there, I'm going to begin reading in verse 25. And you can go ahead and follow along in your Bibles as I do that this morning. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, It's actually pretty easy to understand what the main message of this passage is, isn't it? Three times in this passage, Jesus says, do not be anxious. Now, if you're using another translation, it, it might read a little bit differently than this. The NIV translates that, that same phrase, do not worry. The King James actually translates it, take no thought for. And, and I know when the, when the King James translation was done... You know, 500 years ago, that, that had a different meaning than what it does today. He's not saying there, as we're going to see today, don't think about these things at all. And so when the New King James Version was done, they actually translated it similar to most of the other modern day translations. Do not worry, or the NESB, do not be worried. And, and, and so we get the idea here, he's not saying don't think about these things at all. We're going to to understand that as we go through the passage, but he's saying that we're not to worry, we're not to be anxious about these things. So it's probably a good idea as we start this morning to identify and define what we mean by worry, right? That's probably a good thing to do. And and I looked at a lot of different definitions this week, but the one that I think really kind of hits the nail on the head is this one. It's a self-concern relative to the future. And we see that in this passage, don't we? Jesus starts right out. He says, don't worry about what you will eat, about what you will wear, about what your health's going to be like in the future. So he's saying that worry is is thinking about things that are going to happen in the future. Now, we also see the the word concern in that that definition, And, and I suppose we ought to talk about what's the difference between concern and worry, or is there a difference? And I think there is. And as we're going to see this morning, here's what I think that difference is. That worry is is something that we give to God, but we still can't let go of it. Whereas concern is something that that we have thought about, but we give it up to God and we're able to let Him go and to take care of that. Also, we see here that, that worry is different than fear. Fear is concerned about things that have happened in the past or things that are happening right now, whereas worry tends to be focused on things that are going to happen in the future. So that brings up the question, it's one that we talked about a little bit last week in the Bible Roundtable, is worry sin? That's a good question, right? Is it a sin? And here's what I would say about that. First thing that we see here is that three times here, Jesus says, do not be anxious. And all three times, it's an imperative in the Greek, which means that it's a command. And so we see that. And, And not only that, it's a it's an all-inclusive command. If you go back and you look at the verb tenses, we can't see this so much in English, but in the underlying Greek, you can see the different verb tenses there. And what Jesus is saying, he says, don't worry. If you're already worrying, stop it right now. Don't worry now and don't worry about things in the future. So it's, it's an all-inclusive thing. And as we're going to see this morning, worry at, at its very base, at its very core, what it really is, it's a It's a lack of faith in God and who He is. It's really not holding to the faithfulness of God and believing that God is going to carry out His promises for us. And so yes, I I think it is a sin for us to worry. One last thing before we get to the main idea for today and that is we probably ought to also define peace if we're going to say I'm going to give Jesus up my worry and he's going to give me his peace what what is the peace that he's going to give to us Now in our culture today if you were to go to the dictionary and look for a definition of peace what you'd find is something that would say something like the absence of conflict right But we've talked about this before the idea of biblical peace is, is so much broader than that it, it deals with harmony, with wholeness, with completeness, with health, and even prosperity. Not, we're not talking prosperity gospel here, but, but to a certain degree, it does involve this prosperous life that God wants us to have. And unlike the peace of the world, the peace of the world primarily deals with external things, right? I'm not at war with someone else, so I'm, I'm at peace. I don't have a conflict with someone else. Well, biblical peace deals with that, but it also deals with how, what our life is like internally. And so peace really is the opposite of worry if you think about it. So with all that in mind, what's the main idea that we want to pull away from this passage today? And and here's the idea that we're going to develop out of this passage. That Jesus gives me peace in exchange for my worry when I obsess over his kingdom rather than the things of this world. You see, in life, one of the things that we find is that the way that we often deal with obsessions in our life that are unhealthy is we find something else that is healthy and we focus on that instead. And that's exactly what Jesus is telling us to do here. He says, if you don't want to worry, then quit focusing on all the things of this world and focus on my kingdom instead. And I think we all understand that would be a healthy thing for us to do. So Jesus begins this, this, whole, this whole discourse here with this command we've already seen it he says do not be anxious about your life and that word for life there it's a word that that really describes our entire being but it focuses primarily on our physical life and what he's saying here is don't don't focus so much on all these physical things on on the things of this world the way we just define them in our main idea and he gives us three illustrations here he talks about eating and drinking he talks about what you're going to wear, and he talks about your health. Now, there's nothing wrong with having concern about all those things. We, th- we can think about those things, right? Those are healthy things. I mean, it's healthy to eat and drink. It's healthy to wear clothing. I'm glad you guys are all wearing clothing today. Believe me. It's healthy to think about your health and to, and to do the things that we can to, to, to lead healthy lives. But what he says here is don't obsess over those things. And there's a point at which our concern turns into an obsession. It turns into just focusing on these things to the exclusion of the things of God. And then he comes to the end of the passage in verse 33, and most of you are probably familiar with these words. He gives us the antidote to that. He says, but seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. So what he's telling us here is that the antidote to worry is to not obsess on all the things of this physical life, but it's to obsess over the things of the kingdom of God and over the righteousness of God that comes to us through Jesus Christ, the righteousness that Jesus made available that very first Christmas when he became Emmanuel and became God with us. So we want to see what we can learn from this passage as well as some other Bible passages about how do we make sure we develop the right obsession? How do we make sure that we're obsessed with the kingdom of God and not obsessed with the things of this world? Here's the first thing, and if you don't get anything else this morning, you need to make sure you get this because this is really the key to everything else. I need to trust that God loves me and knows what is best for me. If you don't do that, if you don't develop this mindset, then you can try everything else that I'm going to suggest to you this morning, and it's not going to keep you from worrying. You have to understand just how much God loves you. He loves you enough to have died for you when you were still His enemy. And not only does God love you, but He knows what is best for you and you need to be able to trust in that and to trust in the fact that that God wants what's the very best for you and that that even when things aren't going well in this world that that Jesus knows what you need. He knows every one of your needs. He knows your needs better than you do. And he loves you. He tells us here he says, look, I have concern, the God has concern for the, the birds of the air. He has concern for the lilies of the field. Those are things that God created. And so He does, He has concern, He has care for them. He's, but He argues here from the lesser to the greater. He says, yeah, God cares for those, but you know how much more He loves you and cares for you? So if He's going to take care of the needs of the birds of the air, if He's going to take care care of the needs of the 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 lilies of the valley or lilies of the field he says you can know for sure that God is going to take care of you and that's really the the most important thing that we can do is to understand that if you don't understand that if you don't believe that like I say then then nothing else I'm going to suggest to you this morning is going to take away your worry. so you have to start there but then once you've done that, you need to, to move on. And the next thing that you need to do here is you need to, to cultivate contentment. You need to cultivate contentment. was studying this week, I ran a, across an ancient Greek saying that said this. It says, he who has no possessions is free of many worries. True, isn't it? The more stuff we have, the more stuff we have to worry about, Right? And I would even say this, I would also say the more expensive stuff you have, the more you have to worry about, right? I mean, I drive a car that's 14, 15 years old now, I guess, and I've, I've tried to take pretty good care of it, and it still runs, it still gets me where I need to be, but as you can imagine, over the last 14 or 15 years, I've accumulated a bunch of, of uh, scratches and dents, and I've got these pits in my windshield. I just got another one last week. Driving down the road, some car kicks up a rock into my windshield. Now, I'm not going out of my way to try to get more of those. But I've got to tell you, I'm not really worried if my car gets scratched or dented a little bit anymore. But if I were to go out and trade that in for a brand new car guess what would happen? I'd be worried about those things, wouldn't I? I'd be worried about getting a little scratch on there. I mean, I can remember when we first bought that car, you know? You get a little scratch and you're out there with the the rubbing compound and getting it out of there. And so we just need to learn to be content with the things that we have. If we really believe that God loves us and that He's going to take care of us and He's going to take care of our needs, then we need to just be content with whatever we have. Paul wrote this to Timothy about being content. He said, but godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of the world. The writer of the Hebrews makes the same point in Hebrews chapter 13. He says this. Keep your life free from the love of money and what? Be content with what you have. Why? Why? Because God has said, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you. He loves you, He's going to take care of your needs. So therefore, just be content with what you have. That'll take care of a lot of worries. And then closely related to it is the next idea that I want to, us to consider this morning. And that is that I need to hang on to my possessions loosely in light of that fact. I think I've shared this with you before, but back in the... Late 1990s, Mary and I, along with a lot of other people, had invested some money in the Baptist Foundation of Arizona, and we'd done that because not only were we getting a good rate of return for our money, but we believed that they were taking the money and using it to help build new churches in the state of Arizona, and that was something that was good to invest in, right? So there were a lot of Christians who invested in that. Well, unfortunately, some of the the board of directors, they were committing fraud during that time. And so by 1999, the Baptist Foundation had to declare bankruptcy, and when they did that, they had over $500 million in liabilities and only $70 million in assets. So what that meant was that those of us who had money invested there, first of all, it was tied up in the courts for a long time there, and then when we finally got something, it was pennies on the dollar. And I can remember during that time how many of these Christians who had invested money, they were angry and upset. And I can kind of understand that because some of them needed that money to live on. Fortunately, we didn't at that point in time. But I have to think that a lot of that anger was born out of the fact that they were worrying about that. And I learned a great lesson out of that time, one that I've tried to apply to my life since then, is to understand that everything that I have in my possession, it belongs to God. And if God wants to take that away, he can do it any time that he wants. And so I better hang on to that pretty loosely. Because sometimes that's going to happen. and I don't want to worry about that. The more I can just say, God, it's all yours, it's in your hands, the less I'm going to worry about those things. So I need to hang on to that stuff really loosely. Next thing I need to do is I need to remember that my worry is unproductive. I think probably my favorite saying that I've ever heard about worry comes from Pastor Rick Warren. And here's what he said about worry. He said, worry is like sitting in a rocking chair. A lot of activity, energy, and motion, but no progress. Worry doesn't change anything except you. It makes you miserable. Isn't that true? It doesn't change anything. Worry doesn't change anything. It only changes you. Jesus talks about that here in verse 27. In the the King James Version, he says, Which of you, by worrying, can add a cubit to your stature? Or most of the other translations say something like, Which of you, by worrying, can add even a single hour to your span of life? And the thing is that the underlying Greek is a little ambiguous here, so it's kind of hard to know exactly how to translate it. I think in the context of everything, the idea of adding time to your life seems to be a little better. but, But in either case, the point is really clear here. Jesus is saying, worry is unproductive. It won't do you any good. It can't add to your size. It can't can't add to your length of life. And so don't do it. We also need to learn to live for the moment. That's what verse verse 34 is all about here. He says, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow. Tomorrow's got enough of its own problems, or today has enough of its own problems. Why worry about tomorrow? We need to learn to live in the moment. I know so many people, and and many of them are Christians who they're robbed of all the peace in their life because they're constantly worrying about something that might happen in the next hour, or tomorrow, or next week, or next year, or ten years from now, and because they're worrying about all those things they can't enjoy today. We need to learn to just enjoy life today. Now, at the risk of offending anyone here, I'm just going to be really up front. If you're a vegan or a vegetarian, you might be offended. Please don't be, but I think it, it makes a good point. Some of you may have seen a meme that looks something like this. true though isn't it now i'm not saying i'm not saying don't eat healthy i'm not saying don't do the things that are that are going to be good for your life but it's really clear the bible's really clear jesus has already ordained the length of our life for every single one of us and there's nothing as jesus said here that you or i can do to lengthen that out so we just need to We need to enjoy today. We need to focus on today. We need to live in the moment. Finally, we need to to be able to release our worry to God. And somehow that slide didn't get up here. (laughs) I'm not sure exactly how I worded it, but but it's this idea of being able to release our worries to God. It's what I talked about earlier. I think um, Paul might have been thinking about, uh, about this whole idea of Jesus' words here when he wrote this to the church in Philippi. He said, do not be anxious about anything. But in some things, doesn't say that, does he? But what? But in any, everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So right here, Paul gives us the connection between giving up my worries, giving up my anxieties, and having the peace of God. And as I said earlier, what we have to be able to do if if we're not going to worry is we have to be able to give those things up to God, those things that we're concerned about, the things of this world, we need to be able to give them up to God in prayer and just lay them at His feet and trust that He'll take care of them and then let go of them. That's the only way that we're going to have peace in our life. If we keep obsessing over those things, if we keep thinking about them, if we keep worrying about them, it's going to rob us of the peace that Jesus wants us to have. So we've seen this morning that Jesus gives me peace in exchange for my worry when I obsess over His kingdom rather than the things of this world. Now Jesus makes one other thing really clear in this passage. He says the people that are going to worry and frankly the people that are going to have despair and the people that are going to hurt and the people that are going to grieve, He said "They're, they're the people who don't have a relationship with Jesus. Notice what He says here. He says the Gentiles seek after all those things. It means that they're They obsess over those things, and he uses the word Gentiles there really to describe anyone who is not a disciple of Jesus Christ, as he often does. And what he says, he says, if you haven't put your faith in Jesus, then then you're going to worry. And so putting your faith in Jesus is the very first thing that you need to do, the very first step that you need to take if you want to get rid of worry in your life. And if you've never done that, let me just say this to you this morning, that Jesus loves you more than you could ever imagine. That's what Christmas is all about. Jesus left the glory of heaven. He came down here to be born in the the most humble of circumstances, to live among a people who would ridicule Him and make fun of Him and persecute Him and finally nail Him to a cross where He willingly gave up His life For us, even when we were still his enemies. That's how much Jesus loves you. And all he asks in return is that you would quit trying to earn favor with God by trying to do things on your own and that you would put your faith and your trust 100% in him. And if you've never done that, then you need to do that this morning. And we would love to talk to you more about how you can do that in your life. In just a moment, I'm going to share with you how you can get in contact with us if there's something we can do to help you walk through that process or to understand more what it means to put your faith in Jesus. But I know that most of the rest of us have already done that here. And for you, my exhortation to you this morning is that you would apply the principles that we've talked about today. I don't know about you, but, but I still worry, right? How many of you still worry, right? Well, when we begin to worry, we need to think about these principles that we've learned today, and, and we've, we need to be able to put them into practice. Over the next week, I know a lot of you are going to have gift exchanges. You'll do that, some of you at work, some of you may have already done that. You'll do it with neighbors, friends, family. Some of you will probably get some really great gifts. A lot of you probably will. But I can tell you this, that those gifts, no matter how great they are, that none of them can compare to the gifts that Jesus wants to give you this year. Because the gifts that He gives are life-changing and eternal. So this Christmas, would you let Jesus give you His hope for your despair? Would you let Him give you His love for your hurt? Would you let Him give you His joy for your grief? And would you let him give you his peace in exchange for your worry? Let's pray. Father, I'm just, I'm so overwhelmed when I think about these gifts that you have made possible through Jesus. And Father, this time of year we get so caught up in giving and receiving gifts with other people that sometimes, Father, just we forget about what a great gift that you have given to us. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for his humility that makes it possible. Thank you that he was willing to become Emmanuel, God with us, so that we can enjoy these gifts. Father, my prayer over this week is that we would receive these gifts with joy. And that, Father, if there's anyone who's joining us today, whether in person or online, if they've never put their faith in Jesus, we pray today that they would make that decision that your Holy Spirit would be speaking to them right now. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen.